Hello and welcome to this special author spotlight mini edition of the Witch With Books podcast. I'm Jason Mankey. I'm usually joined by Meg Rosenbrier. Unfortunately, Meg is busy with mom issues today because she's a good, responsible mother. She'll be back with us next time. So I'm sorry you just get me, but it'll be okay. And... We have a great guest for our first ever author spotlight. It's Heron Michelle, the author of Elemental Witchcraft, which was just released by Llewellyn back in December of 2021. Now, Heron and I go back a long ways to the summer of 2012, which feels like yesterday, but is like a decade. Boy, am I old. And when I met Heron, I was instantly blown away by her intelligence, deep knowledge of the craft, her poise, self-assuredness, just a terrific person. A couple of years later, she invited me to her shop, the Sojo, in Greenville, North Carolina. And while riding in the back of her car, I flipped through her Witchcraft 101 class lessons, and I was immediately like, this is better than anything I've ever written. Or will ever write. At that moment, I knew Heron Michelle would write a book, and it would be fabulous. That book is Elemental Witchcraft. So thank you today, Heron, for being on our little show. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. When we were discussing who was going to be our first guest, I was like, it's Heron because of her awesome book. So we're really uh, you're you're awesome. You're the reason why that book exists at all. So, this is why we don't do the show on video because I'm now blushing. Nobody needs to see that. So, <laughs> this is a mini edition of the show, 20, 30 minutes tops. So, we're going to just run through some questions really fast. The big one, though, and the easiest place to start is what exactly is elemental witchcraft? There are so many different kinds of witchcraft. What makes yours unique and different? Well, I chose the title because I was looking towards um, many books to unpack a system of modern witchcraft that I developed where one um, uh, engages in the great work of magic throughout the wheel of the year. And there are multiple layers to that magic, the sun and the sabbats being the main structure and then lunar witchcraft being the the monthly cycles of the moon. But then there's another layer of working with the four elements, well, five, but the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. And I had um, mapped those also to the wheel of the year and the mysteries they teach so that they could be revisited along with the turning of the seasons. And um, ultimately, I decided to start with the elements, which to me represent how to live effectively here on planet Earth as an as an earthling, as a human being. And so it's a bit of a double entendre, the elements of witchcraft being sort of the beginning place, but also describing that sort of crossroads of just physical you know, existence here on Earth and starting there. So you've been practicing for a long time, I think, at least 20 mm-hmm. years, which meant you started when you were eight. <laughs> That's very sweet. I started at 18. So Way what back the... when the rocks were soft and dinosaurs roamed the earth in 1992. Yeah. 
it's the same time for me almost it's like a different world right that early wiccan witchcraft bubble mm-hmm. of the 90s yeah mm-hmm. we talk about it nostalgically sometimes but it was just as toxic as today in a lot of ways <laughs> it was hard to break in there was it was very difficult to even find practitioners to talk to about this stuff or books or media of any kind in 1992. But then again, I was in Taylor, South Carolina. So I was in Cape Girardeau, <sighs> Missouri. And you Ooh. know, you go to B Dalton booksellers and there were eight witchcraft books on the shelf and you'd read all of those in a month. And then you just have to read the new age books because there was nothing else. So we're children of the books in a lot of ways. What were the mm-hmm. biggest influences on you and your witchcraft early on? Oh, that's it's directly tied to books. So when I finally met the very first Wiccan priest I ever happened upon in the wild, he was very sweet to um, loan me some things from his library. And so I got to read um, Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler. It was pretty fresh at the time. And Starhawk's um, Spiral Dance was in its 10th anniversary edition. It had just been published. So he loaned me those two. Those were my first introduction. <laughs> they, it's not the first Wiccan book I'd ever seen. I had uh, unfortunately picked up at the library one of the 90s most awful Wiccan books. Awful, terrible books. And I won't say its name. I won't even say who it's by. But it was terrible. And I didn't even know it was a, a, a modern Wiccan book. I, it was such a bad mashup between other pagan cultures and modern Wicca that I didn't even know what I was looking at. Um, so I'm really glad I finally got to some good stuff later on. And from there, I, I moved up to Vermont and my friend um, Justin loaned me his copy of the Farrar's Witches Bible. And that's when it really got going for me. That was a big one for me, too. Uh, just it was so different and so ceremonial and you could feel the high magic when you read that book which was absent from things like scott cunningham or even silver ravenwolf who we usually praise on this show Mm -hmm. you really like the high magic stuff and there's a lot of hermetic philosophy in your book when i met you you handed me manly p hall's the secret teachings of all the ages the most pretentious title in the history of publishing where does your interest in these classic books come from and what can modern witches learn from 100 year old books oh gracious i love the old occult stuff that's not to say that i take it all a hundred percent face value and you know i recognize them for being products of their time with all the flaws of their time. And, uh, but I love to read um, like uh, Agrippa, you know, really go back. (laughs) Mostly what I like to do is (laughs) light reading. If that stuff's hard to read, but um, yeah, I've recently picked up another book, another, the more modern copy of Henry Cornelius Agrippa's three books of occult philosophy. And, um, and I'm having a, a, a good time just going back and reading where where folks have been getting this stuff from for the last couple hundred years. I want to go back. The reason why I'm interested in this is I don't like just taking somebody's word for it when they write a book and they give me an interpretation of something that they got from some occult classic. And then they tell me how I should feel or what I should think about something or whatever, because they're giving me their interpretation. 
And again, whoever's giving me that interpretation has their own flaws and biases and their products of their time, et cetera. I just like to keep digging backward and read it for myself. That's all. I like to follow the roots down, you know. What are your favorite classic books? Do you have a list that you suggest people read? Well, I could not get through my, these book writing assignments without Manly P. Hall's Secret Teachings of All Ages. And again, he's a product of his time. It's not perfect, but he had interesting collections of occult articles or whatever, uh, small entries in this book. And then he'll mention where he found his stuff. And then I can go back and look it, look it up, like from Agrippa or Paracelsus or wherever. Um, I, so I like that one. Definitely like reading um, the three books of occult philosophy directly from Agrippa. But the Donald Tyson uh, edition that just came out, who edited that through Llewellyn, that is the version one needs to get, or it's almost incomprehensible. It also um, makes a great doorstop if you give up <clears throat> reading it in the middle, because it's huge. It's absolutely well, huge. Just as a fun thing, it's so large that it is what my laptop is now sitting on to lift it up three <laughs> inches so that the angle is correct, which is why I'm so, I can I can really reference the title there. Um other ones that I really like, I enjoyed reading um, the Hermetic, uh, Corpus Hermeticum, the Hermetic writings. Um, it, there's several translations out right now. Um, Walter Scott did one uh, of the Hermetica. There's one um, called The Way of Hermes that was published more recently with a new translation from, uh, I believe that was Weiser or Llewellyn, one of them, the modern publishers. That was interesting. I've been reading a lot of history books on Her- Hermes Trismegistus. There's a bunch of them out there. They're all listed in my bibliography. I love reading Doreen Valiente directly from Mama Doreen. Right. Um, I like reading Aleister Crowley. I don't know that I'm always a fan of what he has to say, but I want to read it straight from that source. That's fair. I mean, there's something to be said for the classics. And I love the idea of like knowing where all of these things come from, having them unfiltered, and then tailoring them to what you do specifically. Uh, so you mentioned Hermes Trismegistus, but the book is dedicated to Hermes and Aphrodite, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is mm-hmm. your relationship with those deities? Like, are deities necessary? For the practice of witchcraft? I am probably the the least polytheistic witch that I know. <laughs> I, know. Um, I consider myself a penentheist, which includes the um, which includes the the agency of individual deities and all of that. So, but that's not something that I particularly focused on for most of my time on the path. But a number of years ago, back in 13, 2013, or 14, 14, pardon me. I, uh, I wanted to, to dedicate my great work that year to discovering what in the hell anybody in Wicca means when they say perfect love and trust. What is perfect? I mean, everybody says unconditional. I'm like, okay, but what is that supposed to look like practically? And so that was the question I asked. And so I said, okay, and if there are any goddesses of love, grace, beauty, et cetera, who would like to help answer this question for me, I am open to your input. You know, this, I said this at at an ML, I'm like, and I named a few, I'm like, hello, anybody want to come help me out? And then it, that was the most profoundly 
changing year of my life. It, I thought I was going insane. The intervention, the, the way that the goddess Aphrodite, I mean, I figured out it was her eventually, uh, Venus, Aphrodite. Mostly I, I feel her as Aphrodite. That just feels right to say. Um, that's who showed up and basically took a, like kidnapped my consciousness for a while and took me for this crazy ride until I understood what she wanted me to know. And then towards the end of that year, I started getting a lot of really intense visions. The kind of thing where like, I either need to be checked into an asylum or something really profoundly magical is happening to me. Um, but the visions just sort of took over and it was always, um, kind of like, she's there to go, Hey, there's something I need to tell you. This is my friend Hermes. He's going to help me out. You know, <laughs> I'm introducing you to Hermes. And now this is, I'm, I'm, I'm handing the ball to him and he's going to run with you on this thing. So by the end of the year, I felt like I was being very directly worked with, uh, interacted with by these two deities who basically said, this is what we need you to do now. You asked for it. Now here's, here's the commission. And part of that ended up becoming this book. My, my theology, as I call it, spelled with a A. They helped me to define some things that I needed to know to help put all of it into perspective and make sense of it and make it practical and useful to me. And then at the end, they were like, okay, now we're going to need you to go tell people about it. And if you remember correctly, you offered me the blog in 14. Oh, yeah. It feels like two years ago, and it also feels like 20 years ago at the same mm -hmm. time. Like the time no longer makes sense to me. It was in 14 toward the end, right about the time that all these really profound things were happening to me. And I was like, well, I'm either insane or the God of Hermes just told me that he needs me to start writing these things down and he's going to start telling me what they are and that I'm supposed to publish them. That's my job. And then just right on cue, you were like, Hey, would you be interested in writing for the Agora? And I'm like, <laughs> for those not familiar, the Agora is a blog at Patheos. It's a shared blog. A lot of people who started there have gone on to write a lot of Llewellyn books in the last five years. I've always thought that Llewellyn owed me and should give me my own imprint, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just happy to have opened some doors. You really did. Yeah. This right is not you. about Thank me, you. though. This, is, this show is not about me. <laughs> It's about you. You mentioned Wicca there. It's pretty fashionable right now to do a lot of Wicca bashing. It's almost a bad word in a lot of witchcraft circles. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, let's just say that while I was writing the book, I, I knew exactly who was going to hate that. And I wrote it anyway, knowing that it was coming. I do try to be very clear that I don't consider myself Wiccan per se. I, uh, I personally do think it is. Um, as it was intended by its creators, it was a closed tradition that you have, there's ways to get into that tradition. And I did not go that route. Not that I didn't want to, I've just never had an opportunity with, you know, a Wiccan priest or priestess to actually do those trainings and initiations as they are supposed to be. However, I did read all that Scott Cunningham when it came around in the eighties and the nineties. And on to there, uh, Christopher Penzak's Temple Series, Timothy Roderick's um, Year in a Day mm -hmm. books. All of those had Wicca for the direct entry solitary practitioner laid out. And that's who trained me, those books, those authors. 
and I consider what I do to be very Wiccan-esque or right, Wiccan word. adjacent. Um, so I try to be respectful in saying what I'm not like. I've never had access to oathbound materials, for example, but I do a lot of the research and I, you know, and I read the, the original works of the founders and then I see what was in their bibliography and then I go read that and, and then the rest is intuitive. And I ask divinity to reveal the mysteries and then my brain gets cracked open by something and it's three o'clock in the morning and I go and I, I talk to somebody like yourself or send a message to Timothy Roderick or to Christopher Penzak. If I ever run into them at festivals or whatever and say, Hey, is this, am I on the right track? And they'll be like, ah, I can't tell you it's outbound. <laughs> I love hearing, you know, that you just randomly talk to authors. I think people forget how small our community can be and how accessible most writers and teachers are, social media folks, all of that. It's, you know, send them a message. They'll probably <laughs> get back to you. I write back to everyone who writes me. It's not that many, but I'm I'm thrilled. I'm honored when someone drops me a line and asks a question. When I got your eight by ten glossy after asking for one, I was blown away. You know, penmanship, a beautiful picture. It's hanging in my room. <laughs> so we're about out of time because this is our mini episode. And I warned you about this question before we started. So if anybody follows me online and on social media, I hate journals. I hate reading in a book, keep a journal because I'm never going to do it. I have sloppy penmanship. It seems like a lot of work. If I kept a journal for every book that asks, I'd have a bookcase with 300 journals. So you call for people to keep a journal as they work through the book. Do you really expect them to do that? Or am I just lazy? You're just lazy, Jason. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you. You can. You know you do your witchcraft however you want to. However, I I do personally keep a journal every day, and I have. Oh, I don't write it in every day. Let me be very clear. I keep a journal. I try to write it in as often as I am inspired or I feel called to do so. I have found that when I, every morning with my coffee, if I just jot a few things down, like how are my dreams, how am I feeling, what's going on, the time of year astrologically, the moon, whatever. I find that I, the insights into what's actually going on for me become far more clear. It just is so much better for me personally to understand what I'm going through and put it into context and meaning when I'm writing it down. And there is some science behind this. It's called haptics. If you use a pen and you write down your thoughts, if you write things down, even this is for anything you write down, it creates whole different pathways in the brain. It literally does because the, what your brain has to do to turn a thought into a symbol, into a pen, into the muscles in your hand, to write it on the page makes changes in the brain. So there is some science behind this. I actually take notes with pen and paper when I'm writing a book, which most people don't know. So I'm not completely against writing. I just don't journal. I know. I do. I will say that I don't expect people to keep a journal just for my book. Like you could be reading 10 books this year. Just keep a, a journal would be my suggestion. Um, to me, it's like leaving yourself little breadcrumbs through the forest, you know, like Hansel and Gretel. 
And so that when you come back around next year, if you want to see, hey, what was going on about this time last year, you'll note that things, similar things tend to purple up at the same times. You'll start to really understand how the tides of the seasons in the moon affect you on other levels and how that comes back around every time. But if you don't leave yourself those little breadcrumbs, it's harder to see. So it's just, it's a suggestion. And I'm, I'm guessing that it's in so many books because so many people have found it helpful. And as you know, we're an orthopraxy. It's about doing things. You don't have to do things, but I guess if enough people have decided that it was helpful and they put it in their book, maybe we could start to take a note from that. <laughs> yeah, I guess you put me in my place. I've, I've been scolded by the master no. and she's probably correct. Yeah. So, just, yeah. I it's, don't know. I didn't put anything in my book that I didn't feel very strongly about. Have Fair, fair. I've got to be honest with ourselves. So we're wrapping up the show. If people want to learn more about you, where can they go online? Well, um, my store has its own website, which is the sojo.com. We sell things, but we've also got information up there and links to every other thing. I've also got heronmichelle.com as an author page. And of course, my Pathios blog is called Witch on Fire. And for ease, I bought the domain witchonfire.net, which will help get people to my blog. And that is, there's lots of free content up there to see basically how I feel about everything. <laughs> if someone wants a signed copy of your book, how can they get one of those? Definitely go to thesojo.com, T-H-E-S-O-J-O.com. There's um, a link on there for our web shop and all the books that we sell and send directly. Uh, they are signed by me. We've got some other goodies that go along with it. Like you said, the eight and a half glossy of my <laughs> wheel of the year with my handwriting and everything. That's also available on there as well as some other things. Heron, thank you so much for talking with us, me today. Meg sends her <laughs> regards. And that about does it for our author spotlight edition of the Witch With Books podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. Join us next week for our big February show. We will be talking about our favorite tarot books and decks, sharing our monthly book picks, and just for Valentine's Day, witchcraft books about love, sex, and romance. It's going to be wild, or I'm just going to blush the entire time. Heron, again, so great to have you on our show. Thanks for listening, everybody out there. Until next time we meet, keep reading and practicing that magic. <laughs>